Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook. With betting on all sports, immediate interaction with experienced traders, instant withdrawals, and the best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing. Kaluki have prominent betting pitches at race courses across the UK. Join us now at kalukisportsbook.co.uk. And the final furlong is brought to you by our official syndicate partner, All About Sunday, the ultimate racehorse ownership experience. Download the app to get involved with world-class trainers, including Henry DeBromhead, Gordon Elliott, and Donald McKay. Join us at allaboutsunday.com. And now, get busy listening and get busy winning. Here's your host, Emmett Kennedy. And it's great to have your company as we preview Saturday's racing on ITV in the company of Timeformers. Mark Milligan. Mark, how are you, my friend? Yeah, I'm very good. We're recording a little bit later than usual this afternoon or this evening even because I've been doing my uh, best impression of a really bad plumber and trying to sort out my uh, faulty boiler all afternoon. As soon as I said, how are you, my friend? I went, oh, no. He's, he's going to pretend that he's okay. But fair play, you didn't. It's been a nightmare of a day for Mark Milligan, who decided, I could hire a plumber. But no! In a former life, he was well able to do this stuff. Because you did make the point you didn't have to look at a YouTube tutorial. So on you go, start working away to get the old wrench out. Oh, crap! Oh, no! Didn't exactly go to plan, mate. It, it, it didn't go to plan. It did by the end. But you know, I got it kind of there in a fashion. By the end, there were there were. It's fair to say there were bits in the middle that went a bit wrong. But I, having got very wet, got my garage where the boiler is housed very wet. It, it all's well that ends well. I've got a little bit of, of finishing off to do tomorrow. But you know, we've got hot water again now and no leaks, which is all you can ask for, really. <laughs> Well, listen, we got hot water, we got no leaks. Isn't that all you need? That's, that's all you need. And that's, that's, that's the basis I'm working on. I've probably saved myself a tidy sum um, by the five hours or so blood, sweat and tears that I put into that today. Oh, 100%. You've, you've definitely saved yourself an absolute fortune. But um, yeah, it, it wasn't exactly the ideal day. But you know what is going to be an ideal day? Saturday where Mark continues his red-hot form and bangs in winners left, right, and center for us. And before we get Mark's analysis, 
we're going to get a winner for you right now because we've teamed up with our old friends at hackedup.co.uk, which is the place to go online to get your horse racing merchandise. If you're looking for mugs, key rings, drinks, bottles, hacked up, hacked up horse racing gifts have just launched an embroidered clothing range. And you better believe we're getting some final Furlong podcast swag. You can get hats, gilets, we're getting final Furlong podcast gilets, uh, fleeces, polo shirts, backpacks, and many more clothing items that are all fully personalized in your own silks, in your syndicate silks, in your favorite racehorses silks. It's perfect for owners, racing yards, syndicates, and racing fans. Uh, Hacked Up Horse Racing are the number one supplier of personalized horse racing merchandise. They got mugs, key rings, drinks bottles, you name it, Lloyd and Hacked Up have got it. Check out the full range at hackedup.co.uk. And before you've even had a chance to win, you're already, you're already winning, if I use my mouth words correctly. I could edit that out, but that wouldn't be authentic. Uh, discount code for you, lucky listeners is FFP15, capital letters, FFP15. You get 15% off your order at hackedup.co.uk. There is some absolute quality, quality stuff there. Uh, So make sure you're taking advantage of the offer. And Lloyd is uh, committed to making your day. So there's an embroidered hat, T-shirt, mug, and pair of socks of your choosing. So be it your own syndicate silks or Tiger Rolls colors, Hurricane Flies colors, whatever it is that you want to go for, Baid's colors, it's up to you. Um, Here's how you win. Tell me who trained the winner of the 2022 Cheltenham Gold Cup. What a doozy of a pickle. That's a mastermind question. Actually, that actually might be a mastermind question, realistically, if... It comes up in general knowledge. But who trained the winner of the 2022 Cheltenham Gold Cup? Whoever could it have been? What a cruel question to set our listeners. We want to give most people the opportunity to enter. Uh, tweet us, at Final Furlong Pod. You can DM your answers as well. Um, but best to tweet. And we're just going to do it on Twitter. Uh, so tweet us or DM us, at Final Furlong Pod with the hashtag FFPCOMP, F-F-P-C-O-M-P, uh, all one word. And we will announce the winner on next week's preview show. On Monday, Sam Hoskins joins us to drop bombs on the current state of British racing. Uh, we'll also hear from William Haggis and his ideas, radical proposals. We'll hear from Neil Callan. We might release that Neil Callan clip. It's a 10-minute piece of Neil Callan just going off on Kempton and the BHA. And he doesn't even mention the fact that he took a mother and a father of a fall. He was just mentioning the fact that they cancelled racing because of rain. That's how great Kempton is right now. All-weather track. If you cancel it due to snow, okay, I get that. All-weather racing cancelled because of rain? What? It's very reminiscent of Dundalk in 2018, which needed to be relayed. And that's exactly what Neil says about Kempton. Uh, so we might put that out on its own, actually. Uh, that's an interview that I did with him at TalkSport 2. Luke Morris talks about uh, the upcoming whip changes and uh, also the current state of 
too much racing, essentially. So we'll hear from all of them, Richard Fahey as well, and uh, that will come out for you on Monday, and Sam Hoskins will give you uh, his thoughts as well. Sam was involved with the Racehorse Owners Association. He was uh, a very prominent member on that board and famously resigned and then came on the final forum to talk about that, and so he's going to talk about the current situation with British racing, declining field sizes, declining prize money... Uh, declining racehorse population and horses being sold to Hong Kong. Yet more horses were announced uh, heading off to Hong Kong. Jockeys leaving for Hong Kong as well. So all of that will come out on, on Monday's show. But Thursday, Mark and uh, the team, uh, Ben, I think, is here as well as we preview the weekend's racing. So uh, that will be on Thursday. And we'll announce the winner of our hackedup.co.uk competition then. So hackedup.co.uk. Who trained the winner of the 2022 Cheltenham Gold Cup hero? Who is it who trained the winner? Uh, hashtag FFP comp at Final Furlong Pod on Twitter or DM us on Twitter and we will announce the winners next Thursday. Hackedup.co.uk and thanks to Lloyd and all the team there. Uh, they are mustard. Right, 205, Beverly. Wait to Excel leads the way in terms of Proform's uh, private ratings and leads the betting market as well. Ben Curtis and James Tate, 15 to 8. Uh, Post-impressionists with a first-time tongue tie for William Haggis, who's been banging in the winners all season, 5 to 2. Uh, for a man who may very well be the new champion trainer. Uh, Stevie Donahue on board. 5-2 to two is the current price with Kaluki Sportsbook. And uh, Forgivable for Tim Easterby and Cam Hardy, a 9-1 to one shot. Who are we looking at in the 205 at Beverly Live on ITV Mark? Yeah, I'm a big fan of Wait to Excel in here. I think he's been really progressive on his last couple of starts, winning at Hamilton and at Ripon. And one of the reasons I like him as much as I do is that he's very, very straightforward. He made the running at Hamilton two starts ago. He raced prominently at Ripon last time. He's on the upgrade very much so, and I think he'll take plenty of stopping here from stall one. And stall one, for a horse who likes to race handy, is just the perfect pitch for weight to excel. Yes, there are dangers. There are some big stables in here, the likes of Haggis, Hugo, Palmer, Varian, Charlie and Mark Johnston. But my view of this is that weight to excel just has much more progression in him than any of those horses. And it's no real surprise, I think, that he's blooming now in the middle part of his three-year-old career because he's by postponed. And I think the mm. the progeny of postponed, they just take a little while to come to themselves. And these are horses that get better with age. And I do like horses that race prominently at Beverly. Um, I'm sure I would listeners they're very very knowledgeable but Beverly has one of the uh, biggest front running biases in the country would you believe and it's very very advantageous to race handily at Beverly well then that's sorted for us that's just there's no point in dwelling too much on that um I, I love that and I think it's a great point to make about postponed but the uh, the front bias is going to be a massive advantage to us. Uh, wait to excel. 15 to 8 with Kaluki Sportsbook as we record. Uh, the 240 at Beverly is the Beverly Bullet Sprint Stakes. Famous race. Of course, obviously, live on ITV. Uh, Clive Cox has the favourite. Tis Marvellous with Paul Hennigan on board. 7 to 2 from 5 to 1 this morning with Kaluki. Uh, they've cut him to 7-2. to two. He'll come out of stall 7. Corker, Carl Burke, and Ben Curtis, 9-2. to two. Uh, And that horse was cut from 7s um, after the stalls were announced. So uh, coming out of stall 5. Uh, Arcebo, 
for Robert Carroll and Kevin Stott, eight to one, and Aaliyah Choice. Kevin Ryan and Tom Eves is a 9-1 to one shot. That horse also well supported from 11-1 to one with Kaluki this morning. All right, who are we looking at in the Beverly Bulletman then? Yeah, I'm going to wax lyrical about a horse in here and then tip something else. <laughs> As you do. Tell me it's King of Stars. Uh, uh, Tell me you're going to be waxing lyrical King of Stars. No, I'm going to wax lyrical about Corker, who I think has got listed Group 3 horse written all over him. That's the problem sure. is he he can't get out of the stalls. Mm. He's got a real problem at the start of his races. And I made the point in my time form report from his last race that he ran well to finish third to Royal Acclaim. But the fact is that he's not fulfilling his full potential because he's not getting out of the stalls well enough. He's just sacrificing ground at the start in every race and if he does that over five furlongs at Beverly it's going to be curtains if I if I could guarantee that Corker was going to get out on terms I'd be making him the bet in here but I'm just so so worried he about was, his problems he was start. fast though from his the souls last year it's just for whatever reason this season he's been completely blowing it and like spectacularly blowing it because it, I mm. remember that race at York um, the Royal Acclaim race, which, by the way, that form has not worked out at all. Um, he was a right handful down at the start and was a complete and utter disaster for the Stoll's handlers trying to get him in. I was full sure he was going to come out. Um, he finally goes in and then didn't want to come out of the Stoll's. So, yeah, he's uh, particularly at 9-2. to You couldn't, you could not trust him at all. So, who are you looking at then? Yeah, so I'm going to be really boring and I'm going to stick with last year's winner Tis Marvellous because I think he's got quite a big class edge on these now you have to take a leap of faith to a certain extent that he retains all his ability from last year he's eight years old now he's had two runs and he's not run particularly well in either of them but you've got to bear in mind that the first one was when he was beaten four lengths behind Cardam at Newmarket in a group three when he was entitled to need that race anyway. And the second of his two runs this season was in the King's stand behind the Australian buzzsaw nature strip. So he was, you know, he was out of his depth there. He was swimming in the deep end without his armbands at that point. The Beverly bullet, he won it last year, listed race much, much more his bag. I, I don't think there's enough evidence to say that he definitely hasn't lost his ability from last year. I just don't think he's been in spots this season where he's been able to show it. A 74-day break suggests to me that they've specifically targeted this race. I think he'll take plenty of stopping in a race that, to be perfectly honest, doesn't look the strongest renewal to me. Yeah, it really doesn't. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why I'm quite keen um, on the the 11-1 to 1 is gone now, but I still like the nines about King of Stars. Um he was drawn on completely the wrong side at York last week when beaten by Bergerac. Uh, and he had to do a lot of the hard work out in front. And he just gets nailed towards the end. It was a great ride um, from uh, from the winner on, on Bergerac, uh, Tom Eves for, for Kevin Ryan. But Sylvester D'Souza had given everything on, on King of Stars. And um, I think he can he can get his turn now. Because uh, it's it's not the best of renewals, so I, I'm hoping that 
I'm hoping that this is the, the opportunity. The 33s is, is not going to be available on this occasion. Um, but hopefully Alistair can get the job done and, and King of Stars can can run well. But Tis Marvelous is, is the one that uh, the main man, Mark, is putting up. And Tis Marvelous, by the way, not to give everything away from Proform, I, I won't mention it now after this, but Proform have him top on ratings. Uh, King of Stars is third. And second, uh, third highest speed figure in the race. So... Um, Check out Proform uh, if you haven't already. Proformracing.com, which is absolutely spectacular content. Uh, By the way, that's Sylvester D'Souza gone now. That's D'Souza gone to Hong Kong. And um, best of luck to him. I'm not going to say better quality of life, because have you seen what's going on in Hong Kong? Uh, But the one thing that you can say is that he won't have to travel five hours from his home to a race course. It's, it's going to be easier in that regard, and um, the prize money will be considerably better as well. But best of luck to him in Hong Kong. And, um, you, you, wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't rule out Sylvester D'Souza being the only one from our jockey colony going over there either in the next few months, would you? It would not surprise me at all if, if one or two others get poached I've to been, go over there. I've been told that another jockey has already accepted but it's not gone public yet, and it's not my place to say it, because you need two sources to confirm a story, and I only have one, albeit an exceptionally close and very reliable source. Um, and I think when it gets announced, listeners are going to be pretty damn surprised. Um, maybe we shouldn't be at this point. But you're 100% right. D'Souza is not the last one to go. Um, and I don't think he, he'll even be the second last one to go. I don't think he'll be the fifth last one to go. Uh, but anyway, we, we shall see. There's other jurisdictions who are sniffing around as well, by the way. Um, the Prestige Stakes Group 3 uh, kicks things off for our Goodwood coverage. And indeed, uh, for the day at Goodwood, a nine runners, a ferry cross for Godolphin, Charlie Appleby and William Buick is the three-to-one market leader with Kaluki as we record. Uh, the Juvenile has a, an official mark of 103. Bright Diamond for Carl Burke. His two-year-olds have been flying at this season, obviously. Uh, Clifford Lee on board. Fours from fives with Kaluki. Uh, Queen Ollie for David Lucknan and Ron Scott, obviously with the whole ammo racing thing after kicking off. That was very odd. Uh, 11 to 2 into 4 to 1 currently with Kaluki Sportsbook. Uh, Breege was well supported from 10s into 15 to 2 with Kaluki. Jason Hart on board for John Quinn and Richard Hughes and Jim Crowley, uh, the main man who's been having a terrific, terrific season. O'Shea Murphy could not have sung his praises more, and rightly so. Will ride for the Queen, Candle of Hope, won her first two, and uh, I thought that performance in his victory dance last time out was really solid. Uh, an official rating of 92, and is 8-1 to one with Kluki Sportsbook. By the way, you don't know this yet, Marks. So this is breaking news for you as well, but O'Shea does know it. Um... The Final Forum podcast listeners are the best on the planet, backed up by the fact that we were number three on Apple Podcasts on Wednesday. Apple Podcast Sport, I should point out. If we were number three overall, it'd be like, oh my God. Uh, but given the fact that the Premier League is back in full swing, that's incredible. So thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And uh, another reason why we're doing the Hacked Up giveaway. Um, as, as a thank you. So uh, you're the best. I don't know what to say. It's it's um, it's insane and really enjoyed having Oshin on and Oshin's back for Irish Champions weekend. So hopefully 
uh, we'll have more great content for that. Okay, my man, talk to me about the 150 at Goodwood. First race of the day there, Group 3 company for juveniles. Who do you like? Yeah, I mean, in terms of official ratings and indeed time form ratings, Charlie Appleby's Fairy Cross is very much the one to beat. She was only beaten three parts of a length in a listed race at Sandown last time. There's absolutely nothing wrong with her claims at all. But I'm just on basis of price. I'm going to pass her over for Carl Burke's Bright Diamond, who absolutely bolted up on debut at the Newmarket July course earlier this month by nine lengths from Liberalist. Yes, you can you can pick holes in what she achieved there. It's possible she was on the best part of the track that day. And the time itself, the overall time figure itself, is nothing to write home about. But I don't think the race was run to be conducive to a fast overall time. This filly recorded a really, really fast closing section up. Her final three furlongs were, I think we clocked her at time forming 34.1 seconds for her final three furlongs. Now that is trapping. That is trapping for a two-year-old filly to come home in 34.1. That's a a really, really good sectional. And for that reason alone, and on a track that tends to favour speed horses at Goodwood, we're not talking a stiff track by any means here, are we? I'm just, I'm going to put my faith in that sectional and hope that that sectional suggests she's as good as she looks, whereas the overall time suggested she might not be as good as that performance looked. But visually, she was stunning. She ran a really fast final three furlongs. Carl Burke has been flying with his two-year-olds. I'm prepared to give Bright Diamond the go in here. I was really intrigued with Queen Ollie. Um, it's pretty obvious why Catch the Paddy won after they uh, they clashed in York. Um, and he won at York on King George Day at Ascot. Um, uh, obviously, that race was at York. I distinctly remember covering it with Martin Dwyer. He just said, never mind in-depth analysis, just back catch the paddy. He wins. Uh, it was the most nonchalant and confident way of ever describing a race. And the horse bolted up. Um, but she then went to Royal Ascot on only her second start and bumps into Meditate. And she's obviously mustered. Uh in that race that day was also Maj. She clashes with Maj again and finishes in and around the same distance that she did behind Meditate, um, two and a quarter lengths. There was a slight improvement from Maj in terms of how much clearer she was, but only marginally. And she's a known name ever who cost a bloody fortune out of a Galileo mare. Um, I think every ammo horse cost an absolute fortune, to be honest. But David Lucknan. For, with Ronan Scott, I, I like the horse a lot. The, the other one that intrigued me was John Quinn's horse, Breeze. I can't, if I was to be pushed, I find it difficult to get away from that meditate form. And I like Mosh for all that she was beaten at York. I mean, we talked about her quite a bit on the final furlong. Um, but Breeze is a big price at 15 to 2, considering what she's achieved. Um, and her form ties in with uh, Lazoo as well. Uh, a la Maj, a new market. And um, Leslie went on to, to win at Ascot after that race, which you and I talked about. And um, mm. Breeze was, was third that day. And I thought that was a really 
I thought it was a, a taking run. Um, Kinta was a bit disappointing at York, and I, I expected more from her at the track that day. But Lezu and, and Kinta pull clear uh, of everything else. But Breeze ran a really eye-catching. I think John Hunt was doing commentary that day, and he highlighted it too. It was a an eye-catching run, and obviously John Quinn's having a tremendous time of things at the moment. So Breeze and Queen Ollie and uh, Bright Diamond for the combination tricast at Take the slates off of the Kaluki headquarters uh, roof. Right, the William Hill Handicap, 225 at Goodwood. Again, live on ITV. By the way, the going is soft. What? What? Yeah, it's raining in Ireland as well. Um, After all this incredible weather, we now have to adjust to... Hey, the St. Ledger might be run on awful ground uh, after being good to firm for so long. Uh, Oberon is the 7-2 market leader, a hero for Neil Callan at the Shergar Cup meeting and a Glorious Goodwood uh, as well. Jason Watson partnered him at Glorious Goodwood. He was on board uh, when beaten at York and we will be on board on Saturday as well. 7-2 from 6-1 with Kaluki. Lyndon B for John Flint and William Cox, a 5-1 shot. Uh, Tarka Bay, 5-1. Pat Dobbs in the saddle with Kaluki and Roskillen. Let's just say it with confidence and say it quickly. and We might just get away with it. Then try not to highlight it. Oh, wait, I've done that. Uh, David Amara and Kieran Fallon, uh, seven to one. This is why I don't take myself too seriously, my friend. 225 at Goodwood. Right, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I was quite keen on Takarib Bay for my old mate Richard Hannon oi, oi. in here. He's a three-year-old taking on older horses. Um, he's actually the highest rated horse in the field, but because of weight for age, he actually gets a little bit of weight from one or two of his rivals. What really intrigued me about Takarib Bay was that they've got him entered in Sunday's Group 3 Supreme Stakes hmm. at Goodwood, which I thought was was fascinating. And, and I think you could make an argument his last two performances in terms of ratings, have probably been borderline listed group three quality performances. I think it's interesting they've decided to eschew the group race and go in this handicap, a valuable handicap that it is. And I think he's still got more to offer. We know just about everything there is to know about every other runner in this race. He's the horse for me who I don't think has shown his full potential yet. And as a three-year-old taking on older, he's likely to be still improving. And I said, I just found it fascinating that they thought enough of him to enter in a group three before deciding on this handicap. Takara Bay is five to one with Kluki Sportsbook. He's in the Cambridgeshire as well, isn't he? Yeah, I think he is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, But the more notable thing is the fact that he's in that group three on Sunday. Um, Five to one. Let's not argue with that. Uh, this is going to be super quick. The three o'clock is over a mile six. And Huyamal, who is not long, he doesn't have long left in the UK racing scene either. He's going to be down in Australia uh, after the St. Ledger. The plan is to run here, Doncaster for the St. Ledger, and then that's him done. And, and another one exits stage left uh, and heads down under. Uh, this is also a Saturday race live on ITV with four runners. Jesus. Um, no wonder Sam Hoskins is coming on the show Monday to talk about the current state of British racing. Uh, 9-2 on for William Buick, uh, who will be on board with George Bowie, uh, now training the horse for Huya Mal, who will be headed to a new life in Australia after this, and the St. Ledger. Perfect alibi for the Queen and William Haggis, 4-1, uh, to one. and Amito, David O'Mara, Jason Watson, Chivley Park, 16s for the Gelding 
gelding by Ulysses. And uh, John F. O'Neill has got the rank outside of the field. Kaluki will give you 200 to 1. So ask for 500. Uh, <laughs> sorry. It's, it's a win-only market. Why not? Uh, they can only say no. Pink Fire Lily, 200, uh, daughter of French Navy. Right. Uh, how far does Hu Yimel win by? Yeah, I think Hu Yimel should. If he rocks up and shows anything like the form he's shown on his last two starts, went third to New London at Goodwood or second in the, the derby, he wins this and he, he wins it handsomely. Can we just take our hats off to, to John O'Neill, though, and the connections of Pink Fire Lily? The 64-rated Pink Fire Lily, he was in here and just for turning up, is going to earn 5,360 quid. At least. Yeah, in a four-runner group three Weird things can happen in these races. Like, if she does take the 20-pound improvement and get the better of Anamito, it's 10K. That's terrific. It's a a brilliant piece of placing. All you got to do is run, and they're going to hand you 5,300. Fair play. Exactly. Fair play. It's... it's 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 a it's a great piece of ingenuity, isn't it? And hats off to them. Um, it makes sense to come shame, all the way over shame. from. He's based in Clare, I think, isn't he? So it makes all the yeah, it makes yeah, sense is, yeah. to come all the way over from County Clare if you're going to get the incentive of five thousand three hundred and sixty sovereigns in your back pocket, with the potential for maybe ten thousand seven hundred. Who knows? Between maybe she wins it. Maybe she does. Maybe that five hundred to one is is embarrassingly big. But at a time where prize money is atrocious, a brilliant piece of placing to put this horse in and then have it fall apart which these races are attending to on Saturdays now uh, so yeah, well, well done, well done indeed Yeah, no that's that's a, it's a fantastic piece of placing but yeah, yeah who you mouth should win this, he's going to be long odds on and he really should get the job done Just to be cantankerous and different from you I'll, I'll say, throw a few shekels on perfect alibi Maybe with the three pound allowance, she'll perform because because it's a small runner race because it's only four runners. Maybe this isn't going to be run tactically to the way who Yamal would like. Maybe something weird is going to happen. Maybe it's all about getting him ready for the Saint Ledger, and he's not going to be fully fired up. Um, whereas for Perfect Alibi, this is an ideal race for her. Um, and at four to one, maybe, but. Considering that my bet of choice tends to be a lucky 63, am I putting in a four to one shot in a win only market when I'm going to be doing some scumbag each way picks as well? No. Uh, but if I do a win only patent, yeah, perfect alibi will probably go in just for the crack. Uh, the Celebration Mile, won by the late great George Washington back in the day. Uh, Mustabek! No, he was beaten. I correct the record. He was beaten, but then came out and won the QE2 when it really counted. Uh, Charlie Hills and Jim Crowley, even money with Mustapek, um, who was odds-on, by the way, and Kaluki have pushed him out. Uh, he was beaten in the summer while at Ascot on his previous start. Uh, Jadumi for Simon and Ed Crisford, William Buick on board, uh, 7-2. to two. That is the same price as he was this morning with Kaluki. 5-1 to one about Escobar, ran a massive race at the York Ebor Festival. Uh, finest sound sevens, and the field is rounded off by Stormy Antarctic. Only five runners, so only each way betting one, two. What's your thoughts on the celebration mile? I've got nothing against the favourite. He's been keeping some good company. 
and was beaten only narrowly by Chindit last time. But I, I feel there could be more to come from Jadumi still, who's relatively lightly raced for a four-year-old. He's he's clearly had his share of problems, I think, since joining the. Uh, Sorry, he's been with the Crisfords all the time, hasn't he? But they've they campaigned him in France, didn't they? Yeah. In 2020. And he only made it to the track once last year when he was third to Zakuski. We then didn't see him again until July of this year when he was campaigned in France and he beat Bergerita by three parts of the length at Clairefontaine. Some good bits of placing, to be honest, from the, the Crisfords here for this horse. He just seems to me now... He's stringing back-to-back races together for the first time in ages. And that's got to be a good thing, hasn't it? He's only got £5 to find with the favourite on official ratings. And he's only got seven runs under his belt. So I don't see why that gap couldn't be bridged. Musa Sarbeck, he just doesn't, just doesn't win that often, does he? I put him up at Epsom a few starts ago when I thought he was a... But I, I, I wouldn't say it was a good thing, but I was really keen on him at Epsom, and he just disappointed a little bit. Was third to McAllen. He ran perfectly well when beaten ahead by Chindit last time, but he hasn't got masses in hand of Jadumi. And at the prices, I think I'd rather be with that horse with William Buick in the saddle and putting back-to-back races together for the first time in a while. I wouldn't trust the favourite as far as I could throw him. Cue him winning by five lengths now. Um, I was intrigued by Finest Sound. I thought that was a nice run at, at York. He'd obviously won at Thurks before that. Um, he was a big old price. And I, I liked him a lot. Uh, nice piece of work from Simon and Ed Christopher, by the way, as well. £125,000 race, five runners, and they've got two of them. They're walking away with a fair old chunk of, chunk of change for their owners here. Uh, and for themselves as well, for that matter. But Finest Sound intrigues me. And... Um, at 7-1 to one with Kaluki, may very well be able to run a big race, but I, I wouldn't want to go too hard against you because I think you made a very strong case for Jadumi. Uh, the 3.15 at Newmarket is the only race that we will be handling from the track. Uh, it's a listed race. We get 11 runners. And here's Simon and Chrisford again uh, with Denea, 4-1 to one currently with Kaluki. Uh, we go the same price about Ed Walker and Safi Osborne, who was a winner of the Racing League tonight, Thursday as we're recording. 4-1, um, to one, Summer Gand. How lovable is Summergand? And a hero at York Racecourse last week. Fives uh, to back up his victory at the York Ebor Festival. Uh, Manachan is a 6-1 to one shot. Uh, take it away, my friend. 3.15 at Newmarket, our only race to discuss there. Who do you like? Yeah, Pure Dream has been on an absolute roll, winning, I think, is it four out of five starts this season? Absolutely nothing wrong with his form, and you mentioned Summergand, he's just an old warrior, isn't he? He just turns up, finally got his head in front this season. Last week at Yorker, Manakan, Manachan, Manakan. Manakan. It's the one Manikan, I like in yeah. Manakan. The one I like in here. It was, we're seeing a bit of a theme developing here, aren't we? That I'm, I'm keen on these three-year-olds taking on their, uh, their elders this week. And I think he's just been a really progressive sprint handicapper. I thought that was a, a really good run at Chester 2 back when the tongue tie went on for the first time. He then built on that at Ascot in the Shergar Cup, beating Judicial. Judicial was a, a one-time group performer himself. He's 10 years old. He's in the twilight of his career now, but he's still capable of, of running a good race. And 
there's not a lot between the main protagonists in here on official ratings. And again, I'm siding with a horse whose best days look ahead of him rather than behind him. Jane Chappellheim has been having a great season. Saffron Beach obviously been leading the way for her. And the horse that intrigued me most is a horse that I was watching in real time while presenting for TalkSport and, and the York Ebor Festival coverage. I, I did the Wednesday, Thursday and the Friday. And uh, Bellosa travelled very powerfully throughout that race. First run after a wind up and a first run since April as well. And I thought she just blew up. And it's interesting that Jane Chappellheim is turning her out only nine days later. And I do quite like the second run after a wind up angle as well. So Bellosa's 16s with Danny Muscat on board with Kaluki. And I take the 16s. Um, but I, I very much respect your pick, but 16 to 1 below is too big. Um, and John and Jess Dance, yes, I did consider Sam Maximus first time cheek pieces. Best of luck to you. Uh, James Horton's been in terrific form. Um, 100% runners to form record on the Racing Post. So hopefully the horse can run a, a massive race. Um, shall we talk American racing, seeing as you write about it for better? And, uh, and absolutely crush it. 10.05, Saratoga. As we head to New York. Oh, look, it's Chad Brown. Nothing's been going on in Chad Brown's world. Oh, wait. Um, the One Mile Four Furlong Resorts World Casino. Sword Dancer. Grade one is worth 305000 and Broom wins it, doesn't he? He's going to take an awful lot of beating, isn't he? The, uh, the American mile-and-a-half turf division, these horses are very much of a muchness. The likes of Tribuvan, Gufo. Tohoho Gufo. Channel Maker. You know, they they knock about in these races and they all win in their turn. There's no outstanding candidate. The one going forward is probably a Dharma for the embattled Chad Brown at the moment, who's been in the headlines for, for all the wrong reasons. So I think Broom, sorry. So I was just going to say, for okay. those who are going, what are these two boys talking about? What are they banging on about? What are we, what's all this innuendo about Chad Brown? Um, Chad Brown was, how do we put this delicately, was involved in an entanglement which then led to another entanglement of a not-so-nice nature. So he was having an entanglement with a lady. Uh, another lady turns up at his house and has a key for this house and finds him engaged in the entanglement, to which he then entangles her by allegedly choking her and allegedly throwing her down the stairs both of which he's been charged for. And the pictures were a sorry sight. Now I've got, if he did this, I have no bloody time for him. Um, because the, the last thing that I would ever have any respect for is beating a woman. Um, <sighs> innocent until proven no. guilty and all of that yeah. stuff. But... It's, it's if, worth pointing out as if, well if that you're, if he you're has being, pleaded not guilty. He has pleaded not guilty, yes. That, and that you're 100% right to bring that up. It should also be mentioned, Chad Brown has a wife. 
His wife is not either of the women we're talking about. Uh, so he says that she broke into his house and he was defending himself, which is odd because he didn't ring the police to say, somebody just broke into my home. But she did. She rang the cops. And um, they came, arrested him, and charged him. So uh, a leading owner has uh, a leading owner who's got horses, Mr. Brandt, who's got horses in, in training in Ireland and in the United Kingdom and France. He's come out and said, I spoke with Chad. He says he didn't do it. He said that he was defending himself. I believe him. I would I would shut up if I, were, if I was him. Uh, if you've got all that money, I wouldn't be going out there potentially giving someone a defamation lawsuit. Um, it's, it's a mess, and uh, American racing has been rocked by it and shocked by it. If he if he did do this, and it looks very, very bad, uh, again, innocent until proven guilty, and he said not guilty, then, you know, let's let's see what the American justice system has to say about it. But if he did do it, fuck this guy. We've got a saying in Yorkshire. The saying is, it'll all come out in wash. <laughs> we have that saying in Ireland as well. Uh, and it will. It 100% will. Um, you were saying to me beforehand, how will he be handled in America if he is if he is found guilty of this? Um, and my initial thing was, yeah, the Americans love a good comeback story, but not for domestic abuse. No way. If he if he did this, if he's found guilty of it, game over. Do not yeah, pass if go. He, if he's tried, if, if he's tried and found guilty. It's, it's, it's going to be very, very difficult for him to hang on to his business and all these major owners. You know, whenever I've seen Chad Brown interviewed, he always seems like a really good guy. He looks like one of the good guys. He learned from one of the very best in America. He's assistant uh, trainer to Bobby Frankel. And mm-hmm. what he's done with his turf horses in America has been nothing short of astonishing and hand on heart I hope he's not guilty but if he is you just cannot see any way back from him can you no no if you've got very powerful owners they'll back you now where nothing's been decided and nothing's come out but if that gavel comes down with a guilty and the the bavel as soon as the gavel knocks those horses are already being moved. So we'll have to see. And he he is a genius of the turf. There's no question about that. What he's done in turf racing in America, he's an incredibly talented trainer. And Bobby Frankel, one of the greatest trainers of all time. But you couldn't have any semblance of respect for him um, if if he's done this. And uh, all, all we can see, all we can do now is just wait and see how this plays out. Um... Ryan Moore could have ridden in Ireland. Uh, he's obviously going to go chase the, the Group 1 slash Grade 1 glory. And Broom is a very, very talented horse. I was bitterly disappointed with him in the, in the King George. Not Maybe bitterly is a bit of an extreme, seeing as Paul Driver was my support. Thank you very much, Martin Dwyer. Um, but I, I liked Broom before Martin uh, unveiled the, the running plans live on air for what they were going to do with Paul Driver. Uh, which he did as soon as they had left the parade ring. He said, I can say it now. We're going to make the running. Um, and uh, 
yeah, I was surprised that he was beaten 12 lengths, but he was he was mustered uh, at Royal Ascot prior to that in under a terrific Ryan Moore ride. And he was very, very good last year. And that should all be good enough for him to go and win this. It really should be. Uh, cue Chad Brown knocking seven bells out of us. Oh, whoa, 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 you can't make jokes like that, Kennedy. Oh, get out of it. If we can't laugh, we'll all go insane. Um, we just briefly touch on the Curra because we've got no prices and no one is offering any prices on the Curra yet, which is annoying because there's three group races and a very, very valuable prestigious handicap. But hey, no one's doing it, so all right, what can you do? Um, 155 at the Curra, uh, group three, we've got a Justify in Dame Kiri. Uh, Frayden O'Brien, Shami Heffernan will take the ride on her. Uh, La Dolce Vita for Donica. Uh, Eternal Silence uh, for Jessica Harrington and uh, Moigler, who had a winner in France the other day. Uh, and Caroline Street for Joseph O'Brien is probably going to be reasonably supported in the betting, I, I would think. Um, what's your view on the 155 at the car? Yeah, I liked Caroline Street. I was quite impressed by what she did on debut, the way she uh, quickened up from the front there. Having tra- She travelled like the wrath of God there, didn't she, at mm. Leopard Sound that day? She, she really travelled well. She travels like a proper horse. Uh, I love the pedigree by no name, never out of a so-you-think mare. She, she cost a few quid, didn't she, $200,000? And I just think she's got plenty going for it, although looks quite a deep race to be yep. perfect. There are plenty of others that can that can improve. I was just really impressed by her debut. Yeah, I really loved maybe just maybe's performance um, at Leopardstown when she got up to be Library, who runs tomorrow, will run on Friday uh, at Tipperary, so she'll bid to to go on better, but I thought she ran a fine race that day and was just outpointed by a better horse than her stable companion. And she has since gone in to group two company. So she took a massive step up and was only three and a half lengths off Meditate. And that should be enough. She's beautifully bred. Um, she is out of a Galileo mare, promised to be true, uh, a name that we know. And Lord Canula is the stallion who was a champion sprinter who won six group ones and crucially was horse of the year himself, but his sire of horse of the year and the brilliant almond eye. And it is interesting seeing the different stallions that Coolmore have been going for um, in sending mares to Lord Canula and sending mares to alternates to deep impact. Now that he's no longer with us um, to try and, and figure out different ways like, going to Dubawis and uh, how they've utilized No Name Never this season. I mean, that's that's now four juvenile, top-class juvenile group performers that Aidan O'Brien has by No Name Never. Two of them group one winners in Blackbeard and Little Big Bear. Meditates in there as well. Um, and uh, Lord Canula is, is another one that they've decided to go with. So I, I think this might just be the good opportunity for maybe just maybe. And Wayne Lorden's obviously going to keep the ride because he's ridden around three starts so far. Um, I, I fail to get excited about Dame Kirky, uh, but I'll, I'll keep the faith with, um, with maybe just maybe. Uh, I think she's going to make into a, a nice three-year-old. The uh, Herder Family Studs Round Tower... Uh, group three, always a good race. I suspect Treasure Trove 
is going to be very well fancied. Uh, I like the performance from Dower House the other day, um, winning for Aidan O'Brien at Nace. Uh, just got up by a neck, had been beaten at odds on prior to that, but I thought that was good, and I wouldn't be at all surprised if Dower House runs a, a massive race here. What was your thoughts on, on the six furlong juvenile race? Yeah, I think Treasure Trove very much sets the standard, but she's had plenty of runs now. And for me, in a race like this, I'd always be trying to side with something a little bit less exposed. And I was really, speaking of impressive debuts, I was really impressed by what Apricot Twist did on debut at Nace when she bolted up by seven and a half lengths. And she she looked a proper top class prospect then she was pitched into a sales race last time and being perfect and she didn't run that badly i just think i wonder i don't know what your view on this is i just thought it might have for a once raced filly in a 24 in a field i think she just might have found it all a bit much for her with just that one run under her belt that was my take on it i wasn't surprised that she was favorite that day but i i do remember thinking it and i didn't back the winner so it's it's didn't Anne-Marie have the didn't Anne-Marie o'brien on the winner of that race yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, for Joseph as the trainer. Uh, I, I thought the... I do remember thinking, God, 5-2 to two is short about a horse. For all that she was massively impressive, uh, the lacking experience might might very well be her undoing. And it was. Um, it, it was her undoing. Uh, the, the winner had taken on... I do remember really kicking myself. I still don't think I would have backed the horse. I don't think I would have backed the horse knowing the result, quite frankly. Um, but I was a big fan of Proud and Regal. I would forgive him his defeat last weekend. Um, I wouldn't be going overboard about him. I want to see what he does next. But the the winner is is a, another no-name ever, uh, Aesop's Fables, and I think he's going to be a, a class act. But uh, that Joseph O'Brien horse had been beaten by Proud and Regal the time before. And I remember thinking, damn it, you rate that horse really strongly. How did you not have a few quid on him? Um, but it was it was a watching brief race for me. And part of the reason it was a watching brief race for me was because part of me was thinking, Apricot Twist is either going to absolutely bolt up or bomb out. So I would very much forgive her that run, uh, completely forgive her that run. And she she could be very, very interesting. Uh, speaking of Jar Lines, he'll have a right old chance of, of uh, if he hasn't already won one, then taking... Uh, the the three forty, which is the Snow Fairy Stakes Group Three, and may very well be a Group Three double from him today. Juncture surely goes well here. Yeah, I was a big fan of Juncture. I I would actually go as far as to say that second to Boundless Ocean last time at Leopardstown, a re a simple reproduction of that form will probably be enough to get the the job done here. There are a few in here who don't have any real pretensions to be group three standard. You've got horses rated sort of 88, 89, 93. Uh, the likes of Juncture and Sai Sai from Joseph O'Brien's yard set the standard on official races. I'm a little bit surprised that Juncture's got a lower rating than Sai Sai to be honest, because too. at time form, time form we've, got, uh, we've got Juncture higher and clearly uh, the higher of of the pair and I think this is I'd probably go as far as to say this would be my my nap of the weekend I think Juncture she takes plenty of beating in here yeah she wins she wins Broom wins 
and she wins. By the way, Broom's morning line price is three to one. Good luck getting three to one about Broom. I mean, yeah, that's that's right, isn't it, uh, American betting expert and two year old <laughs> two year old uh, British racing handicapper Mark Mulligan for time form. That, that, that's right, isn't it? That, that's what Kaluki should be offering everybody about at least three to one. I, yeah, at least at least three to one, yeah. but maybe even four to one. Do you know Definitely what? does not have the best form in the race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, eleven to eight probably. Um, those morning lines, they they can be accurate. Sometimes they're wildly optimistic, and that one seems wildly optimistic to me. The Paddy Power supporting cancer trials, Ireland Irish Cam- Cambridgeshire. I am delighted to see that that is the uh, the sponsorship name of the four fifteen. Uh, the Irish Cambridgeshire, which is obviously a, a massively important race in its own right in Ireland, but to have it uh, be the Paddy Power supporting Cancer Trials Ireland. I'm going to be bashing you next week, Paddy Power, uh, on the final furlong, but I will give you your dues there. Fair play. Fair play. Uh, some of the stuff you're pulling with punters, ripping away best odds guaranteed, with very little talk about it, just like, yeah, they're gone. Bye. We'll have it for one race day, one card per day, and that's it. No talk about it. Uh, and plenty of other things. We'll, we'll save that, though. Betting special next week on the final floor. We'll, we'll, we'll mention it then. Um, but Kaluki goes six to... And by the way, best odds guarantee is not always something that's just going to be there for but I think we need to be aware of that. It's a fantastic incentive. It's brilliant. I think the big boys are going to start pulling that. Um, whether they get away with it or not, whether people start just voting with their with their money and and going elsewhere and going to independent companies like Kaluki, we we shall see. Hopefully that is what happens. But um, if they can get away with it, they, they'll do it, and that's not good. Anyway. Uh, Cowboy Justice, 6-1, to one, which is the same price, about Good Heavens and Janubi with Kaluki Sportsbook. Uh, the horse who was caught most significantly since I was talking to them this morning is Good Heavens, who was 10-1 to one this morning, but is now 6-1 to one for Joseph O'Brien, Dylan Brown McGonagall in the plate, who got bashed uh, by Frankie DeTore last year. Jessica Harrington, Jungle Cove, in a truly bizarre uh, statement and which was completely wrong but anyway Frankie's back in the good books isn't he uh, Jungle Cove uh, 8-1 to one for Jessica Harrington Dylan Kidd takes £10 off uh, and that horse has been backed from 10s into 8s with Kaluki Sportsbook Celtic Crown uh, John Joseph Murphy is a 12-1 to one shot Billy Lee uh, or as the get-in boys would say Billy Lee uh, Fastnet Crown and Massaman 14s and 12s with Kaluki Hail Bop for Jurlines that man again Mark Enright in the saddle uh, is a 14 to 1 shot right I, I, when I was talking to you Tuesday I think I said this was the biggest race of the weekend um, from my perspective and that I was more interested in talking about the current but then when there was no betting available for uh, the other races I, I went lukewarm on that and said let's just do our usual ITV coverage uh, for Saturday's racing, and then we'll we'll leave this to, to the last race. Well, Kaluki have got odds on this, uh, and uh, plenty of other firms do as well. So, 4.15, Irish Cambridgeshire, take it away, my man. Yeah, now, 
I'm no Ben Aitken when it comes to draw stats. Yeah. Apart from it, in fact. But I had a, a quick glance through the last seven or eight run-ins of, of this particular race. And it seems to me that you, you can basically win from just about anywhere. So that leads yeah. me to believe that it's probably pace-orientated more than anything. I thought the majority of the pace here was double figures and upwards. Having had a look through the running profiles of some of these horses, which kind of put me off a little bit. I I, I was quite keen at, at a price on um, That's Just Dandy of Jessica Harrington's, who is relatively lightly raced for a four-year-old, got experience in a, a few biggish fields. Okay, not as big as this one, but, but big enough. But the draw in seven just put me off because I had pace here in sort of 12, 14, 21, 24, 27. So it could well be that the higher numbers get a better toe into the race. So for that reason alone, I decided to abandon my That's Just Dandy project and head in the direction of Janubi, who yes! I hope will be streetwise enough for a race like this. He's just his fifth start, but he's got bags and bags of potential. And this is a, a drum I've banged throughout the podcast, haven't I? Three-year-olds with potential against older horses yep. in these big handicaps. And he's got potential by the boatload. And I think he'll get a good toe into the race from his draw. It's a fiercely competitive race and I wouldn't put anyone off having a bet on that's just dandy as well at a price just in case the lower numbers do tend to be favoured. But if it goes with pace, it's looking to me like the, the double figure numbers might have the edge. So for that reason, I went for Janubi. I'm all over Janubi. Jorlines won this in 2016 with Mr. Seawolf. Uh, that horse was four, but three-year-olds have taken it Twice in the last 10 years, Kenya for Aidan O'Brien in 2018 and Andy Oliver with Punch Your, uh, Punch Your Weight, uh, one of as, as a classic generation horse as well. And for all that I was talking about, a Jorline's trained two-year-old in a sales race, lacking experience, he's had four starts. And yeah, obviously that is vastly inferior to most of the battle-hardened uh, rivals that he's going to be facing. But... I think he's learned plenty in those four. He's got big field um, handicap, uh, big field experience on his second start at Leopardstown. That was his seasonal debut. Uh, he was only beaten ahead that day. He was deadly at Cork um, when he absolutely bolted up, for albeit he was entitled to. And I thought the run at the Curra was was really likable uh, for all that he was beaten. He also went over to the UK last year. He began his career um in, in Nottingham behind a certain Elder Elderov um, and was then deemed not good enough and cast off by Shadwell uh, sold from Mark Johnson's stable and Geraldine said thank you very much and picked the horse up for 85 grand and that looks a steal you know 85 grand is not small money but it looks an absolute steal with this fella and I think he wins I'm dangerously bullish about him actually um, so he, he looks a very very shrewd investment and Jarlines is is a is a mustard trainer and I'm looking forward to talking to him ahead of Irish Champions Weekend as well so Janubi who we are getting 6-1 to one about with Kaluki after he was supported this morning as well 8-1 uh, to one 
Seven to one, apologies. Seven to one was the price Kluke were going this morning. They cut him to sixes. Colin Keane, Gerlines, stall 14. All the reasons that Marcus said are absolutely spot on, and he's the one we should be supporting. You've kind of mentioned it already, but who is your nap for the weekend? Yeah, my nap's going to be Juncture at the Curra on Saturday. Really, really like this uh, this filly. I think she'll take plenty of beating. We, we haven't got prices for that race yet, but I'd be interested in her around about anything above sort of seven to four, that kind of region. I think she'd be a, a, a decent bet. And I think she only has to reproduce her last running to go really close here. Broom would be my overall nap. Um, but if it turns out that he's an embarrassingly short price, then Janubi. Replace with Janubi if an embarrassingly short price. Um, and they're kind of co-naps to a certain extent. Uh, I do like, just to round off the patent, uh, we'll make it a lucky 15 with um, with your horse with Juncture as well. Uh, because she wins. <laughs> I'm I'm way too oh I'm way too confident. Uh, this is when you get smacked right in the face. You get punched right in the face by the racing world when you're way too confident. Uh, but maybe just maybe I would put in as well to round off the lucky fifteen. Um, I think she'll win. See, I'm I'm way too confident. Um, <laughs> but I, I <laughs> you know that's what happens. What was the the quote that? Uh, it's in that book that I I haven't mentioned for a number of weeks, maybe even a number of months. Against the Odds was the first proper book that I read to learn about betting to try and become good at it. That made me go, oh, damn, that's good. Uh, it's written by a man called David Lee Priest, whose name I'll never forget because the books are right here in the studio beside me. Uh, Against the Odds and the Betting Edge or the two he wrote, but in uh, Against the Odds, I think it's in the updated editions as well, there's a quote from J.P. McManus. Uh, and, and obviously J.P., like on race days, he'll talk to Racing TV and ITV, but J.P. doesn't say a whole lot about his betting, and he doesn't say a whole lot about his betting in any case. But a pearl of wisdom he did give was, the day you think you know it, the day you think you know what you're doing with racing is the day it will smack you right in the face. So, proceed with caution, but do that lucky 15 because we're going to be in gravy. Um, Hacked Up Horse Racing Gifts have launched an embroidered clothing range. Are you looking forward to getting your hands on your final Furlong Podcast embroidered polo? Oh, absolutely. I want, do you know, I want to get some nice sort of winter clothing from them because I, uh, and, and this is a exclusive, you're hearing this for the first time. I'm hoping at the turn of the year, to take my first visit to the Dublin Racing Festival. Let's go! Did someone Need some nice warm clothing. Did someone say live recording of the Final Four Land podcast from, from the GOAT uh, for the Dublin Racing Festival? Let's go, Sounds let's like do it. Sounds like it could be fun. Let's do it. Well, um, the boys are coming over. Uh, the We had a lot of fun with um, Only Fools Love Horses. Uh, lads a couple of weeks ago. Was it last week, wasn't it? Yeah, time is moving so fast. Um, but they're coming over for the for the DRF as well. And we'll be doing a lot of Jumps content with Dennis O'Regan and uh, a number of other special guests, uh, including yourself, because you're a big Jumps man too. So, um, yeah, 
uh, now that I know for for a fact that you're coming over, we'll um, we'll either record on the morning of, or a few days before. But we'll 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 make that happen, either from the course or from the goat. Um, we're spitballing here, but we'll make that happen. Uh, but hacked up horse racing, we'll be sorting out uh, Mark with uh, a fully embroidered final furlong baseball cap and polo, if not gile. Uh, and uh, they have got their new embroidered clothing range with hats, gilets, fleeces, polo shirts, backpacks, and so much more clothing items that are fully personalized with your racing silks. So if you're an owner, if you're in a syndicate, if you're working at a racing yard, if you're a trainer, hey, David Pipe, what's going on, son? Uh, And racing fans, whatever you want. If you want Frankel's colors, you want Baid's colors, Lloyd and the team at Hacked Up Horse Racing Gifts have got you covered. You want your own silks, your own syndicate silks. You want the All About Sunday silks because you want to talk about a horse who's going to win. Come on, De Burley is going to win. My horse is going to win tomorrow in Down Royal. Uh, give me that trophy now, Darren. It's going on the mantelpiece. Thank you very much. I can't go because I'm on Talk Sport, but. Just give me that trophy now, son. Uh, I'm very excited about her. She's she's got a massive chance. I can't wait. Uh, so if you want if you're involved in All About Sunday, you want the All All About Sunday silks. Lloyd's got you covered. Perfect for racing fans, owners, racing yards, syndicates, the whole shebang. Uh, they're the number one supplier of personalized horse racing merchandise, mugs, keyrings, drinks, bottles. You name it. Hacked Up Horse Racing Gives have got it. Check out the full range now at hackedup.co.uk and the discount code for final furlong podcast. Listeners, FFP15. FFP, capital letters, all one word, FFP15 for 15% off your order. There is no minimum of what you're buying. Buy one, buy 10, whatever it is, you get 15% gravy off your order discount code is all in capital letters and we're doing a competition uh we are giving away or lloyd is giving away i should say an embroidered hat t-shirt i believe a mug and a pair of socks as well in the colors that you choose the question that you have to answer is and it's a real doozy mark doesn't know (laughs) (laughs) having just said you're a massive jumps fan uh, who trained the winner of the 2022 Gold Cup? Who trained the 2022 Cheltenham Gold Cup winner? Tweet your answer to at Final Furlong Pod with the hashtag FFP Comp. You can DM your answer. Well, was it Bob Buffett? Ah, oh, crap. Now we have to re record. <laughs> <laughs> I got my myself a superstar! Oh, that's what he said about Officer before Officer was absolutely spanked by Johannesburg in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. But that was his line to NBC. What I got an officer is a superstar. He shook his head and everything and yelled just like that. Uh, Tell us who trained the winner of the 2022 Chilton Gold Cup winner. And um, we will pick the winner next Thursday. Uh, we could have done... Look, that, that is an embarrassingly easy question, obviously. But I, I don't... If, you, if you're in Ireland and you've watched the Late Late Show, like, Jesus Christ. What are the colours of the rainbow? 
text your answer to... What? In the alphabet, what comes after the letters A and B? And between D? Text your answer. Is it E? Is it Z? Or is it C? Text your answer to... It's like, Jesus Christ, guys. Um... It's just that kind of stuff really wrecks my head. That that insult your intelligence kind of questions just like why? Uh, so who trained the winner of the toy? So instead, I'll just ask an embarrassingly easy horse racing question instead. Oh, but at least it's a question. Uh, who trained the winner of the Cheltenham twenty twenty two Gold Cup? Was it Willie? <laughs> Uh, just send your answer to at uh, Final Furlan Pod on Twitter. Do you know what you can enter? Actually, if you're if you're on Facebook only, you can enter via the Facebook messages uh, feature for the Final Furlan Podcast page. But we'd prefer it on Twitter. Thanks very much. Uh, either tweet your answer using the hashtag FFPComp to at Final Furlan Pod, or DM your answer to the Final Furlan Podcast Twitter account or my Twitter account, Radio Emmet. We'll announce the winner on Thursday's show. Uh, Sam Hoskins is here on Monday to review some of the weekend's racing, but really to talk about the major issues currently facing British racing, prize money, declining field numbers, racehorses being sold, jockeys leaving, trainers quitting the game. Amy Murphy uh, has come out and, and said very recently that she is seriously considering not just having her satellite yard, but fully relocating to France because it is not paying. And I made the point with Oshin Murphy, uh, because we didn't just talk about York, we also talked about Charlie Appleby and Aidan O'Brien's star two-year-olds, and specifically the the four no-name evers for Aidan O'Brien and uh, Aesop's Fables, Little Big Bear, we look back on on his Phoenix win. Um, uh, Oshin's got some very interesting thoughts on his chances and prospects of staying the mile and winning the 2,000 guineas, by the way. As the leading two-year-old handicapper for time form, can Little Big Bear win the guineas? There's actually a really good article being written by a colleague of mine, John Ingalls, um, on timeform.com, maybe on Sports in Life, um, all about Little Big Bear and his pedigree. And I think there's every reason to think he can stay a mile and, and win a guineas. I don't think he's... I think it would be wrong to pigeonhole him as a sprinter. Physically, he looks much more than a sprinter, doesn't he? And I think there's there's every reason to suspect that he'll go a mile. Well, whether he'll go much more than a mile, I don't know. But it, he'll definitely get a mile, surely. Um, that article is on sportinglife.com if people want to, to search. If you just type in Sporting Life and, and Little Big Bear Pedigree, they'll be able to read a, a full analysis that, that John's written all about um, Little Big Bear and his chances of saying a mile in the guineas. Excellent. On the basis of new evidence, when I spoke about Willow, I remember thinking, God, the 4-1 to one is short uh, for the guineas, and also kind of kicking myself for not having backed him at 16s. Um, because I was convinced he was going to win the Phoenix. And I don't really know why I didn't back him. I can't give you a, a clear answer as to what was going on in my head that day, but it wasn't. It clearly wasn't engaged properly. 
Um, we weren't we weren't in seventh gear. I'll put it that way. Uh, and I couldn't possibly back him at fours, but he probably does win. Now I I think a lot of noble style. Um, and if you're going to talk, there's the four no name ever horses: Little Big Bear, Meditate, Aesop's Fables, and Blackbeard. And of those for the Commonwealth Cup, Blackbeard. Blackbeard's a sprinter. I mean, Aiden pretty much said it after the um, the French race the other day uh, that that's effectively what he's going to be. And he's so, he seems very well put together too. Um, Aesop's Fables is, is an interesting one for the Guineas. Um, I'm intrigued with him big time. And I don't think we... Sh- There's no doubt now about No Nain Ever's training on. I mean, they absolutely 100% do that. Yeah. I was impressed by Aesop's fables last week. Too. Visually, I thought he he was only just getting going, wasn't he, in that yeah. final furlong? Yeah, and when he hit the rising ground, he didn't stop. Everything else did, but he didn't. He kept on going. So I think he's got a very bright future. The plan with him was Royal Ascot. That's where Aiden was going with him. He was part of that Royal Ascot team. And then he had a little setback. And I was slightly nervous about him on Saturday as to whether or not... I did remember thinking, for all that I talked up Proud and Regal on the show, uh, Jesus, Proud and Regal is very short, considering Aidan O'Brien's record in this race. Like, he farms the futurity. Like, the futurity is essentially what Aidan O'Brien has decided to go... The futurity, the Burstford, the... The Phoenix, the National Stakes, th- these are all cool more races. They want those races. And Aidan O'Brien has kind of just discarded the railway with certain exceptions. He was definitely trying to win it this year. Uh, he tries to win it every year, but he's not really sending his best horses to the railway anymore. Not like he would do with George Washington and One Cool Cat in days gone by for all that One Cool Cat was a brilliant two-year-old, but you know, rubbish as a three-year-old. Um, they couldn't have known that at the time. But it's it's interesting to me how Aidan O'Brien has refocused to the futurity and focused on that race and discarded the railway. And they cha- every year he always changes something in the quest to be even better than they already are. And I do remember being a little bit... Uh, being a little bit concerned about the fact that he was coming back from very early at the start of the season and having been out with, with that setback... Uh, and me thinking maybe he would need this, but also looking at the market going, God, Proud and Regal short, given Aiden's record here. Um, and I liked Hans Anderson as well, but Hans Anderson and Proud and Regal could not live with these subs fables. They could not cope with them. And I think he's a very, very exciting horse coming forward. And I think Noble Style is a very exciting horse. Um, by the way, uh, fair play, my man. You were unbelievably bullish about Noble Style. And uh, that goes further to the fact that you're the, the head of the two-year-old rankings for time form, and damn, is he good. He is damn good. Uh, and I believe he comes over for the national stakes. That's what I was told by a contact at Godolphin, anyway, unless it's, it may very well have changed in the, in the period of time, because Charlie Appleby's got an embarrassment of riches in his two-year-old division, as does Aidan O'Brien. Um, and to a certain extent, Aidan needed it, because the three-year-olds, Luxembourg and Tuesday aside, aren't really there. But it's more than made up for with the, the juvenile talent that they, that they have. It's a very, very exciting crop of horses that he has for next year. 
Six of the top 10 in the betting for the 2000 guineas are trained by Edna O'Brien. The other four in that top 10, trained by Charlie Appleby. I was really impressed by Noble style. And the vibe was that that was Charlie Appleby's best two-year-old before he ran at York. And I think he proved that on the day. Just talking of Charlie Appleby, I'm going to give, I'm going to give people a little steer here. Hopefully... This is something we can we can get on early. There was a horse of Charlie Appleby's, a two-year-old, who won last Friday, won a, a listed race, the Stonehenge States at Salisbury. I can mention this very quickly. Flying honours. <gasps> Did you hear Oshin Murphy on the show on Monday? I, I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet due to being up to my ears in uh, boiler work and time form work. <laughs> it's all right, mate. It got to number three at Apple Podcast Sports Podcast. We're all right. We're doing all right. Um, he loves that horse, and he thinks he might be the best that he has. Uh, no. Very much respects Last. Noble Style. And yeah. Oshin was the first one to mention Noble Style on the show. Uh, he was talking about him for the Coventry because the plan was with him. He was meant to go to Royal Ascot as well, and he had a setback. But of the two, if he were to choose, he would choose Flying Honours. Last year, Charlie Appleby won the same Salisbury race with a, a horse called Al Baha, who went on the following month to win a grade one at Woodbine. I would go as far as to say if they follow the same path again, having seen practically every decent two-year-old in America and Canada so far this season, flying on us would be something of a certainty if he turns up for that Woodbine race, if they take the same route Damn right. they did last year. Just on a bigger uh, scope, and we'll, and we'll wrap it then, of those six horses that Aidan O'Brien trains and the four that Charlie Appleby trains who are in the top 10 of the betting for the 2000 guineas, one of those is going to win the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. 100%. I'd like to see Aesop's Fables go there, you know. Yeah. I think he's made for that race. Charlie Appleby's got a, a deadly record there, but so does Aidan. And I, I suspect that both men... It'll be the case of the immovable object against the unstoppable force. They'll both clash and they'll both just destroy whatever's put in front of them because... Now, I'm um, I'm going to be in America Breeders' Cup week. Are you going to be at the Breeders' Cup? I'm not going to be at the Breeders' oh, Cup. Oh, no! <laughs> but I, I, shall be, I shall be trying to garner whatever information I can from... Uh, I'm going to be at Aqueduct in New York taking the uh, the Breeders' Cup simulcast there, and uh, I'll keep my uh, ear to the ground well, while I'm in America. The, the good news is that uh, Naomi and um, our American team will, will have you sorted in terms of the winners. Uh, uh, Barry Faulkner, they'll, they'll have you sorted in terms of taking care of the Breeders' Cup winners. Not that you need any advice yourself. Um, but they'll have the final forum podcast army sorted out in terms of, of winners while you're uh, enjoying the holiday. And hey, maybe you can meet up with Chad Brown. <laughs> and on that bombshell, uh, we're done. Uh, we'll talk to you Monday with Sam Hoskins. Uh, Thursday, uh, is Ben on the show Thursday with you? I can't remember. Thursday, will maybe Ben's on the show. He's definitely here for the St. Ledger preview and the Irish Champions Weekend preview. Um, and Mark is here for, for those as well so looking forward to that we'll announce the winner of our hackedup.co.uk uh, competition on Thursday's show uh, get your entries in best of luck to you and take care uh, to take advantage dear god man 
I need coffee. My mouth words have completely failed me. Uh, make sure you're taking advantage of that 15% discount uh, from Hacked Up Racing as well. Uh, for all Final Frontline Podcast listeners, FFP15, FFP15. For Mark Milligan and myself, Emerson Kennedy, take care. Thank you for listening. God bless. We'll talk to you soon in the Final Frontline Podcast. Have a great weekend. Be safe. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook. With betting on all sports, immediate interaction with experienced traders, instant withdrawals, and the best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing. Kaluki have prominent betting pitches at race courses across the UK. Join us now at kalukisportsbook.co.uk. And the final furlong is brought to you by our official syndicate partner, All About Sunday. The ultimate racehorse ownership experience. Download the app to get involved with world-class trainers, including Henry DeBromhead, Gordon Elliott, and Donald McKay. Join us at allaboutsunday.com.